Welcome to our podcast, Minds Over Media. I'm your host, Kara Hutchinson from the Southwestern Ohio Instructional Technology Association, or SOIDA, a service of Public Media Connect. Today, my co-host is Sarah Schroeder from the University of Cincinnati, and joining us today is Dr. Paul Mihalidis, Professor of Civic Media and Journalism and Special Advisor to the Provost at Emerson College, as well as Chair and Director of the Salzburg Academy on Media and Global Change. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. (laughs) Good morning. So I'm curious from you, how do you define media literacy and then specifically civic media? Because I know that's one of your focuses. I, um, I've had the fortune in kind of my career to, to really uh, look at the way in which media can help empower communities, give voice to, to people of need. And I think for me, you know, media literacy, you know, absent trying to kind of create a reductionist definition is about all the ways that we can empower community and individuals uh, to have agency um, with and through media in their spaces of work, in their spaces of living, in their homes, in their public institutions. Uh, And I've constantly been um, intrigued by that question of how can media help provide a sense of um, a sense of belonging, uh, how it can provoke care and and how it can help people find a sense of place and, and feel like they are active participants uh, in, in whatever they choose to pursue. Um, my, my connection to civic, so I've done a lot on the civic media front, is because I, I have, um, over some time of research and practice, continually come back to the idea that um, the space of media literacy it's a it's a it's a necessarily civic pursuit, um, meaning that we we sh- we aren't in the area of just helping people better kind of critique and create media just for the sake of allowing them to better do it. There has to be the so what or the what for. And for me, again and again, it you know I've seen in past research that if we simply teach people to be better critical consumers of media without asking them what for. You could create more skill and media literate people to do a whole bunch of things, right? And and those aren't all positive. And so, the civic kind of the civic side of this for me is intentional in terms of pursuing stronger, more inclusive, and just futures, right? And that's to me that's necessarily civic pursuit. So I have been particularly concerned with that that area in media literacy. I'm curious how you define civic. You know, I, I think, you know, the the civic is really, you know, the way that we look at it is, is it's anything that moves from the personal to the public space. It's like anything outside of the actor's intimate sphere, right? And so that, like, we did a lot of this work in civic media in defining that. Like, it's the processes, designs, and technology that link our personal space to spaces that are beyond the personal. And that's, you know, and that includes institutions, the spaces and the environments that we inhabit that are necessarily impacted, um, not just by our own, by our own behaviors, but that necessarily impact others and are impacted by others. And so that's kind of how we think it's kind of a intentionally um, public disposition, right? So it's like all the, all of those, you know, whether it's a a physical space, it's a, it's a communal space, whether it's an institution, um, you know, it's, it's, all of those things that encapsulate our lives outside of the very kind of personal um, pursuits we inhabit. 
I love that so much, Paul, because we see so many teachers bringing media into their classrooms uh, and having students create things. But that so what is incredibly critical for right. making it purposeful and intentional and, um, and, and the focus on community that you gave it as well, the, the role that media plays in community. We're seeing schools around us right now. What we're hearing is that the students don't have a strong connection to their school anymore. They don't, they don't, they don't have that pride of community um, in their schools. And so I'm curious if when you talk about community, if you've also seen it impacting school as a community, or do you primarily focus on the, you know, the external community as well? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, it's a great question. It's a great um, insight, Sarah, and something that we are really, you know, when, when we're doing our work, it's about learning communities. And those could be formal school classrooms or, you know, kind of outside of the formal learning um, approach. But what I, what I find super interesting about that is, you know, it, you, when, you, when you apply kind of a civic frame to media literacy, you can end up, you know, it, schools are kind of politically... I'm not sure if this is going to be shocking to y'all, but they are, you know, kind of politically sensitive landscapes. But I, 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 I'm kind of firm in my belief that, you know, that strong communities is something that we all kind of, you know, absent any kind of political agendas, hope to have. And now that's, I know that's a loaded term, but I think there are ways to approach media literacy that's not, you know, overtly political pursuit that can focus on simply seeing the school as an anchor of our community, seeing places of learning as vibrant reflections of where our communities are. And they're not perfect and they're messy, but the, the more media literacy interventions and experiences can help young people think about how they can connect with others, how they can support stronger communities, how they can work to create um, more interesting and engaging stories for others to share um, and have it specifically focused on lifting up those around them. Uh, I do think, you know, they're, you know, implicitly, it might not be direct and short term, but I do think that those are healthy um, pursuits that aren't simply about, um, you know, that it's, oh, if you teach that, then it's going to be conceived that way. And that's a political thing in a school. So I do think that community focus is something that can transcend across all of those, um, the divisive kind of rhetoric we hear today. Do you have um, suggestions or ways that educators could kind of bring those lessons to their students to kind of help initiate that component of community and being seen? And I'm, I'm, it just is making me curious, like how as a, a educator in, in a school, do you navigate the piece of media literacy that to stay away from it being controversial? Yeah. But create this sort of, um, you know, community where kind of everybody is involved and everybody is seen and. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think. Um, I have all, and again, like, of course, I'm in the space of higher education. I am um, my partner. She's a public school teacher. So I kind of hear anecdotally about all this. I actually think on the media literacy side, it's not really, 
you know, I, I think the first acknowledgement is it's, it's hard to do this work and teachers are ever burdened to do more and more with less and less. So I do really want to acknowledge that, that oftentimes we say, oh, if only this could happen and those of us that aren't embedded in school. So I do want to be sensitive and acknowledge how amazing my wife is, I'm sorry, and all teachers are <laughs> yeah. in terms of their, um, in terms of everything they do. So in my sense, you know, in, in the specific times where I've had the, the pleasure of being in, in public school classrooms, working with and around media literacy interventions, I, I, often, um, I often look at it as a little bit of reverse engineering. So it's nothing new, but in terms of media literacy, like so in, in a foreign language class, and I just say this again from kind of hearing it in my home, you know, there's all these wonderful storytelling initiatives that happen where they go out and they look at the monarch butterfly journeys and they're able to kind of document those and bring them back into classroom and use language as a way to kind of make those come up to the page. I think where media literacy has, you know, has has needed to innovate more is it 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 often starts with like, OK, let's look at how the media portrays or represents things and then we'll have in our classrooms a session where we deconstruct it, where we, um, you know, where we talk about it, where we share our thoughts and opinions and we look at it. And my thought is like, well, that's all well and good, but it's not really, um, it's simply, you know, you're, you're doing a couple things that I don't think are intentionally wrong. And I'm just going to reduce this to make points is that you, you're creating a scenario where the media is there and you are here and you're constantly trying and in a really immersive and abundant media space, I'm not sure. I think that's useful, but I'm not sure if that's the best way to get into talks about representation and critical consumption of media. Whereas like, I often think of the strongest ones are like, okay, let's take an issue in our community or something that we want to uplift or something that we want to do. And now we're going to find out how we tell stories about this. Right. And then we're going to talk about all the different ways we can. And through that experience, something that schools can do and they could do it about their school, right? It doesn't have to be outside of their school. They could do it about a sports team or a club or a cool initiative around better food or, or, you know, kind of environmental, you know, you know, being more environmentally conscious in our school community. And through that process, you can then kind of reverse engineer decisions you make in creating media. And then once you've done it, you can come back to do the media literacy. Well, how does this, differ from the things you hear about or you read about, you know, outside of your own kind of information in, in your own creation process. I think starting with kind of that sense of like, what, what, who am I, where do I stand in this? And if I'm going to tell stories, how are way those stories can kind of can create interest in this local space and then use that to go out if you want. It can create real kind of connection and grounding into the places where we live, into our proximal environments, into those around us. If you start with, well, there's so much media around, we need to help people understand how to navigate Instagram and YouTube and TikTok. I think that's kind of a non-starter. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit of, it just creates some, you know, distance and, and removal from the kind of ecosystem. So sorry for that, um, the, the longer answer, but, but to me, that's like, one approach that I think can always, um, you know, be, I think for me, a more effective starting point for media literacy lessons. And you know, that to me, that kind of transcends age range too. Yeah, for sure. And I love that because you're not only giving it meaning for the students because, and they're seeing value in it because it's something they are relating to. So 
I love that. And I think I'm one of those people that when I hear, well, before this project, <laughs> when I heard media literacy, it just seemed like this like huge thing that I'm like, I don't even, I don't even understand like, okay, I know the definition, yeah, but like, what does that mean? Yeah. What, what does that mean? Or what, what are we trying to get kids to do or what? Right. Like, and so I had all those questions cause it just seemed very abstract to me. Yeah. Yeah. And then knowing what I knew from my elementary background, I'm thinking my brain just automatically went to digital citizenship, yeah, which, exactly. you know, are two, I mean, they're under kind of the same umbrella, but they're different. Yep. topics in general. So I really like yeah. that idea. To finish yeah. your point is like, I think you and me alike, the more we try to define these things and the more we try to, you know, all right, here's what it is. It, you know, it's, it doesn't make much sense to me either in like a real way. So trying to bring it to ground it in some lived experience or some kind of space is I think super valuable. It helps. It, it's a different way. It helps us kind of feel part of these, you know, digital environments and, and physical environments that we, we grab. So that's, I think it's just a super important point to lift up a little bit is, yeah, you know, my approach is like, at first, you know, we used to do that by just showing different representations, which is fine. Uh -huh. And then we would have students just make things and talk about their decisions, but it would just be in a classroom. My whole idea is like, that should be, those type of conversations should be reflecting on things that students have to do you know, in their environments, not simply mm -hmm. just, you know, in a classroom or, or just looking at screens. And mm -hmm. that I think that leap is super important. And it and then it leads to other conversations about what type of information do we need to have healthy communities and not have it be abstract, like, oh, we just hear all this noise and bring it back down to the immediate proximal spaces that we live in. That's important. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And I know we've seen um, we've seen students really respond in our local public schools when they're looking at things related to their school specifically or their community specifically and asking questions about why is this named this? Like, let's, let's explore this a little bit. Well, why would we rename this? Let's create a little film on it. You know, something that is right outside of the classroom. And I'm curious, have you done any work with students out in the K-12 uh, world where you've seen the shift in engagement for them when you are approaching media literacy from this perspective? You know, we have done, um, we have done a few projects with K-12 with public school students um, in the greater Boston area uh, that have, you know, this was some, I think pre-COVID, it's the last time we did it with the groups of students in a few different schools and really had them uh, working with their teachers moving outside of their classroom spaces into communities. Uh, and we've found, you know, I think part of why I'm talking today is because we found really, you know, we kind of found this idea that you can take these things that are traditionally seen as social and personal and create real interesting civic connections into them or create moments where they, where they see those connections. And it's not just them blaming media or talking about it abstractly. Um, and that, you know, kind of the, project that we've done for the last two years with some collaborators on, um, you know, mapping impactful media literacy has gone back to educators again um, to, to kind of help better understand some of the constraints they uh, face when they're trying to do these projects and for us to try to give them, 
uh, resources to do, um, you know, media literacy that's kind of more directed this way. So, um, yeah, and that report is phenomenal, by the way. And for anyone listening, we will share that report um, along with the podcast for teachers who may want to access it and use it in their own classrooms. It's really just a phenomenal resource for educators. Yeah, thank you. And we are working now to kind of give more kind of use cases, and we're going to be adding those in soon so educators can go there and they can see what approaches we take, but they can also see ways in which it's been used um, already. And so uh, I think that's, um, yeah, something that we're trying to offer as kind of a, uh, a resource for you know, again, educators and community stakeholders in formal and formal spaces of learning that can, it just helping them re kind of think about ways that they can approach media literacy work um, a little bit more. I, I can't wait to see that. <laughs> I'm really excited because we use that report all the time cool. in our classes. Oh, so. Thank you. Thank um, you. Yeah, I'm really excited to see those use cases. Oh, very cool. Um, so we had a question for you, Paul, from one of our University of Cincinnati students, Hannah, uh, who is a future teacher. And she was wondering if you have seen similar trends in different countries, um, if you have done any work globally um, with these questions, and if you've seen any similarities or, or trends that are different in other countries. Uh, that's a small question. <laughs> <laughs> We like the university. We like to keep things very simple. Sure. No, that's an easy one. Um, this will be the next we, uh, you know, I have had the, um, I have had the pleasure of working uh, globally quite frequently in my um, career. So <clears throat> just a little bit of background on that. Like I have been working, running a program for um a global program based out of Salzburg, Austria, that brings together young emerging storytellers from around the world. So 30 countries come send students at different levels of their learning um, every summer. And they come and we do a really kind of immersive, global, cross-cultural, cross-border uh, project, very immersive around how we can, some of the points I was talking about earlier, how we can use media literacy to build community interventions. Um, and I can tell you, it's, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of similarities between what types of issues exist. There's, there's vastly different political and economic and cultural structures and systems in place. But, um, you know, it's, it's amazing to see how, how this focus can kind of transcend divides and transcend cultures. Uh, I've been able to work in the Middle East, in Lebanon for the last 10 or 12 years working on a project that um, works with young higher ed students and even some K-12 students that are interested in being storytellers, journalists, and media makers. Um, and you know, you could imagine being in Beirut, students from the University of Cincinnati or Emerson College or somewhere would would see this as vastly like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine. But you know, it's 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 amazing. They're advocating for rights and causes that they find valuable and thinking about how to tell meaningful stories with communities. And, you know, I, I think I see more similarities to what we do here at Emerson College in Boston and what they're doing in Beirut than I see vastly different structures. Now, when you get into different, I've you know, worked in different and in, in different kind of countries at stages of, of, you know, kind of what they declare full democracies versus strong social civic societies versus less strong. And there are a lot of different you know, constraints that happen there. But I do think some of these fundamental attributes um, 
they exist, whether you're in Beirut or, or whether you're in Austria working with a group from Argentina and a group from India, or whether you're in, you know, Boston. And I could imagine Ohio too, is that, um, you know, some of the, the acute challenges might be different, like their, some of their community problems, some of the infrastructure problems that they're kind of trying to, to use media to respond to are, are unique. Um, you know, I kind of end that by saying it's, you know, the, the, the stronger the media literacy work is the more it's kind of embedded and grounded in the, in the spaces that it inhabits it media literacy can, or yeah. media interventions, the more they get removed from that. And it's why I'm just such a big, big, big supporter and starting at that very kind of the most locally embedded space you can be in because there you can understand the realities of people more and the way that the media impacts and, and engages with them and represents them or doesn't. Um, and that's important. So that's very kind of unique to each local community, but the approaches and the media literacy kind of strategies aren't too different. Yeah, that reminder is so helpful that you keep giving us to keep grounding our work and the work of our students and our communities. Yeah. Yeah. So also from Hannah from the University of Cincinnati, she was wondering um, what practical skills should teachers be fostering in their classroom for these students that we want to engage in this type of work? Like, what are the skills you would encourage teachers to focus on building in their students? Right. That's a great question, Hannah. I think that's important. I think that's an important question. Now, I think, um, you know, in terms of how we think about skills, you know, that's a that's a word that is uh, that I think has a few different like approaches. And so I would say as teachers, you know, you you know, we a lot of times we kind of fall back to critical thinking as kind of the you know, and I think you hear that word a lot. And I could like mm -hmm. it's it's. And I don't want to say it's not, it, it should be the thing we do, but it, it always becomes the kind of the catch-all for what mm -hmm. we all want to do. It's like, yes, we want to make more critical <laughs> thinkers, right? I understand that. And I think that's kind of the pursuit of education in general. So it's not, it shouldn't be what we, you know, I've thought a lot about this in terms of like what, what we actually want to produce. And so we do, we love that word, Paul, by the way, teachers. <laughs> You know, I I understand it and uh, I see it. That is, yeah, but I, I really I do think that that is the call for all education, right? Is we mm -hmm. want people to right, critically right. think about everything. And I don't think media literacy should have any type of hold. I'm like I I hear it again and again. And, and to me, I say, well, what does that mean? It's like it is the way that I explain. Like we have these syllabi in higher education, and they have these outcomes. And to me those outcomes are meaningless unless they're able to be applied or directed or made to kind of feel right. And critical thinking is the same way. So I'm, I'm all in support of that. I am in support of teachers helping students become more critical consumers, more critical in their decision-making. I think that's all great. When I think of what skills that I would like to um, see in classrooms with young people is um, for them to kind of, uh, you know, develop, develop kind of a, a set of caring ethics. I think that's really important mm. for them to be able to understand what they care about and why they care about it and what it means to them personally. I think that's super important. And all the ways that the media kind of influences things they care about and how it influences what they what they think about things. I think that's really important. I think you know, these are things that you'll find in some of the work that I've done. I, I think imagination is a humongous space 
it's, it is the skill set. So rather than like access, like, you know, we're never going to, you know, it, it's very true. Like we've done a lot of work with in our global programs around using imagination and working with our colleagues who have done all this work around civic imagination to help people kind of understand and, 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 um, and kind of think creatively about alternatives to the present, right? The only way you're ever going to get anywhere else. So I, I don't, and again, I don't, I think these are skills because it is, you know, this goes back to me, like critically, you know, deconstructing an advertisement. I think that's great. And I think that everyone should do that and continue to do that. But I, again, I don't, I, I think that for me, the better skill is like, let's imagine different systems to the current ones we have. And through imagination, you can do the deconstructing of the thing. But if you just leave people of the skill to deconstruct, you leave them hanging off with something like, okay, now I know that, that that's how it works and great. Like that doesn't matter, right? So for me, you know, I think that's it. I think, um, I think learning, uh, I think a huge skill is learning how to work, um, you know, with communities. Like what does it mean to build trust and reciprocity? And how do you, how do you kind of go out and talk to communities and learn what issues are? Like to me, those are the media literacy skills that matter. Um, um, in addition to all the learning how to create and learning some skills of technologies. But I really think we want to give people the mindsets to be able to um, better understand their place and how they engage. And then, you know, the media, the media literacy side emerges from that. So it's a little bit of a different approach. It's a little bit harder and it's not so direct. Like, you know, I think the skill of how to you know make a podcast a hundred percent, but I've seen again and again that I don't need to teach those skills. If I say, here's the assignment, imagine this thing and you can use whatever format you want. Maybe it's podcasting that young people today don't need someone to say, here's how it's done. They can really figure that stuff out. They're very agile um, and they and and they might need some support and feedback, but it, there's no way that they're not going to figure out how to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's yeah. one of the pieces that really struck me when I first looked at the impactful media literacy practices report was those great questions that you give teachers to ask their students around imagining alternatives and imagining the future you want, you know, and how do we get there? Um, so if anyone who's listening, if you're looking for more resources on that, that impact and that impactful media literacy practices, uh, report and the guide for teachers that Paul and his team have created is, is phenomenal. And it has a lot of ideas Thank for you. how to approach that in the classroom. Um, it's really powerful when you start to look at it because it changed the way I see media literacy in the classroom significantly um, when I looked at it. Thank you. That's so nice. And that's our tagline. It's, it's phenomenal. <laughs> it's phenomenal. <laughs> I think I said phenomenal I several times. Yeah. yeah. I, I love, love that it. word. Well, and I love the whole imagination piece because I think so many times, and that's one thing that's so sad sometimes when you think about school and kids starting school is they come in with like this big imagination and, you know, and, and you can see it. I mean, like even as a teacher, you watch it kind of dwindle over time because, you know, they have, they meet peers that kind of squash whatever they are imagining or, you know, there are just so many factors that play into that kind of dwindling away. 
Yep. And so or adults who squash squash. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so, no, I, I like that perspective of it because I think it's such a great skill yeah. just. Yeah. And it is, you know, the meat, like, you know, the media literacy, you know, it's, it's, I, I've thought about this a lot because the, the digital, our digital spaces, they're so immersive and they're so present in us that it really has kind of occurred to me that we aren't, if we just keep using it as like, we are learning more about media, like that's important, but it, that can't be the whole goal of it because it, it just seems like you're pushing and pushing against, you know, it's against these systems and infrastructures that have significant problems. I mean, the other, the other intention behind using imagination or going into, you know, a community focus or the civic focus is to start to think outside of these platforms that have, you know, done a significant amount of damage to the, our civic health, right? And that's, and they've kind of inserted a lot of distance between us and those around us because they, they're ever invasive. And, and a lot of times you see these things about like, well, we just need people to learn more about how TikTok works. And I, th I again, I'm not, I'm not against or for these. I'm simply saying the point of a media literacy experience should never rest in that space because you are creating that implicit engagement. You're creating some kind of the distance of analysis, I think that's all good, but I don't know if that what that's doing to advance, um, you know, media, a more kind of uh, media literate society. I, I don't, I don't anymore understand. I think we understand these tools, and 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 spaces and platforms as things that we necessarily use for escapism, for logistics, for all this and that. But they aren't by just kind of saying we're going to stay in this space and look at them. We aren't advancing, um, I think, the kind of core mission of what media literacy, um, you know, practices and pedagogies are supposed to do. Thank you so much for a great conversation. Yeah, thank you both. This was really, yeah. uh, really wonderful to do and I appreciate the time that you've given to make this happen. Thanks for listening to our Minds Over Media podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today and learned something new. You can find the show notes and resources in the podcast description on your listening platform. For information on earning contact hours for listening, visit teachercampus.org and under all courses, search Minds Over Media. This podcast is produced by Soida and CET EdTech in partnership with the University of Cincinnati.